Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Diving Into the End Zone. I'm Dominic Arbolino, and of course, joining me, none other than Alex Warner. Alex, how are you doing today on this fine Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I'm good. The Jets don't play today, so I'm doing well. Looking yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some football this weekend. For any Jeff fan out there, I'm sure anytime you get to wake up and realize they're not playing football, it's probably the greatest news ever. We almost had that last week when we had a uh, possible positive test with uh, the yeah. Jets, but then a it turned out to negative. be a false positive. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, you got it. You got the point around. Anyways, we're here to talk football. We're going to do that right now. And we'll start off with the New York Jets in terms of a recent player that they had to release, of course, because it's the most New York Jets thing to do. And we'll start off with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell gets activated off the IR last week, and he plays in the game against the Arizona Cardinals. Pretty much what happened is that he didn't like how he was used throughout that game and he made sure that everybody on social media knew that by liking a couple of tweets from Jets beat reporters of how inactive or not inactive but how much he wasn't being used he liked a couple of tweets and obviously that went viral throughout Twitter because of course they noticed it they made sure the Jets fans notice it and then Jets fans blow everything up on Twitter it's just what they do and then it starts off we have the next Monday the day after you have Adam Gase in his press conference he comes out, he's getting asked questions about it. He says how he's, you know, he hates that Le'Veon is taking the way of social media instead of just talking to him, you know, 1v1, which a lot of players do nowadays. There's a lot of drama in the NFL. We all know that. And then pretty much, what was it, on Tuesday, I remember being at Applebee's while this happened. I get a notification from Adam Schefter tweeting on my phone, the Jets have released Le'Veon Bell. Because I guess they were looking to trade him like it was being reported throughout that whole day. Joe Douglas couldn't find a suitor. And instead of just waiting and maybe seeing if a uh, you know, running back got injured until the trade deadline, instead he just released him. Yeah, very very Jets-like situation. You, know, you talk about the social media and you know the Jets fans, New York fans, New York sports fans in general, always very calm and waiting for the actual story to break out, of course. <laughs> Not jumping to conclusions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Le'Veon definitely has been unhappy since at least last year with his role in the team. He's expressed that throughout the offseason. It's gone away. Expressed it again this season. He got hurt. And then he came back, and it's still the same thing. I mean, you don't know what the Jets are really doing with Adam Gase right now because he's clearly, he clearly doesn't get it. You just have to think that their best chance of going 0-16 is with him at the helm of the team, and that's what I think they're going for at this point. I mean, Joe Douglas obviously had no patience with him and just wanted to get rid of him at this point. So probably could have gotten at least a fifth or sixth out of Le'Veon if he just waited a couple weeks. Obviously, the contract is horrible, but someone would have taken him. We've seen trades like this in years past all the time. But Adam Gase does not know how to use his skill players. This is not something new with New York. This happened in Miami. Look at Kendrick Drake. Look at Mike Kosecki. Look at Devontae Parker. They're all thriving without him. Le'Veon Bell obviously was a great you know, back set records throughout the running back ranks in Pittsburgh took a year off so he should have been fresh last year but he just was not used properly and he 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 decided to find his way out like another jet player did at the beginning of the season and you know, honestly good for them good luck the team's just uh, a circus right now yeah and um you know you just look at Le'Veon Bell and like you mentioned his Pittsburgh years you know obviously when that whole thing started to like kind of fall into place that he wasn't going to be with Pittsburgh you know any team thought whoever's getting Le'Veon Bell is getting this freak athlete and you know amazing talent with the running back at the running back position who you know could possibly be a future hall of famer and right now that these past two years with the new york jets have really affected that situation right there and i think what annoys me most about this is that 
Okay, I understand Le'Veon Bell was unhappy. And I, I agree with him. He should be. He was not used the way he was supposed to. And Alex, you brought up how players in the past with Miami have been thriving. More recently, Robbie Anderson right now with the Carolina Panthers is having his best year yet. And then the only thing that bothers me with the situation is with Joe Douglas. I'm looking at it from his perspective. Look at this year so far. Look at all the injuries that have happened just because of pretty much barely any training camp, no preseason, no time to prep. There's been so many injuries, especially at the running back position. You have Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, you know, Dalvin Cook just recently this Sunday night get a groin injury, Austin Eckler. You don't think that maybe another running back could have got hurt where you could have even traded the seventh. I would have been okay with anything instead of just releasing him. They just released Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you can't make that up. And I under, just it's so frustrating. Every time I talk about the Jets, it's like I really just get like explosive. I just like want to explode. I remember at work last night, I was talking with one of the customers at the bar because it was so it was a bad night at work. Slow. Besides the point, I was talking about it, and I'm just I'm just sitting there like getting so heated about Gase. Like he just really irritates me. Not only as a Jets fan, but as really any analyst you see on ESPN. I mean. Everyone is just bashing the guy because he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Guy, the guy just doesn't get it. You look at some of his comments in the media. The, 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 the reporters ask him logical questions that a head coach should answer and should answer in a respectful manner. And this guy just goes off the walls nine times out of ten with a ridiculous answer, whether it just sounds dumb or it is dumb. And there's no accountability with the team at all either. You, you look at every press conference and, you know, Adam Gase or... Dowell Logan's the quote-unquote offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach, even though he's just a puppet for Adam Gase. We all know that. He just holds the flag. Exactly. They'll get asked these questions about, you know, what's going on with the offense, and they say it's not the play calling, it's the execution. Well, I I really don't think that's true. I have a hard hard time believing that because everything is not working. Okay, yes, some of the execution is not, but you need to have good play calling in order for that to happen first, and you clearly don't see that. Because you constantly see some runs on 2nd and 16. You have the wide receiver screens all the time. You're throwing a, uh, a wheel route to 37-year-old Frank Gore, who now is going to be your lead back because Le'Veon Bell is there. Adam Gase did say in a press conference that he's expecting the Michael P. Ryan to get more involved with the offense. But the amount of things this guy has said, and it's just not been true, is way too many. The list is way too long to even bring up. Yeah, Le'Veon so, Bell was supposed to get more involved in the offense. Chris Herndon was supposed to be a big factor this year. He's averaging like two targets a game and blocks for 90% of his stats. Which reminds me, again, I, I keep calling Chris Herndon right now Mike Gusecki 2.0. When Adam Gase was in Miami, he looked at Gusecki and really just thought, hmm, this guy is nothing more than really a blocking tight end who maybe can get open a little bit and really wasn't used that much. And then again, it's the Gase Revenge Tour. And Le'Veon Bell is the new new one on the train. That's, that's, that's pretty much what it is. And you look at the Jets, too. I mean, there's some other news with the Jets this week that you know popped up. Is that Greg Williams kind of throwing some people under the bus there, kind of throwing some shots. You know, he said, you know, because obviously the defense hasn't been too good. It's actually been pretty horrific. But you think about it, and he's coming out and saying, well, you know, my defense is out there all the time. How how are we going to perform well if, you know, the offense is only having a four and out every single time? You know, they're constantly punting or it's a turnover, which is fair in a way. But then also, Greg Williams is just really hasn't been playing, you know, hasn't really been calling the best play calls either. Right, definitely. And to they go don't, with that. They don't have depth to begin with. So when your guys are out there for 40 minutes out of the game, you know, 70, 80 plays, they get tired. And not only does it affect them that game, but it affects them the next game. They're all sore and stiff throughout the week. They don't practice well. 
obviously the Jets do not practice well, regardless of what Mr. Gay says. And it just translates from week to week to week until you get a bye week. These guys are never going to rest. They're playing 70% of the time on the field. You know, obviously they're professional athletes, but they're not Ironman. So at some point it catches up to them, and they're not the top-tier talent players that most top defensives have. Um, he did a great job of uh, disguising his defense last year and it perf- outperformed their talent level, but this year is just horrific. Not, and you match it with an offense that does not move the ball, does not score, and you get what product you see on the field right now, which is hard to watch. It's like watching paint dry out there. Yeah, and with every offensive ranking that the Jets you know, have, or really the NFL has, the Jets were ranked almost last in every single one. If not, it's second to last. I mean... There's your offensive genius for you, Christopher Johnson, currently owner of the New York Jets. You know, you really got, I don't, I don't understand. I think this is what's pretty much going to happen when you look at the New York Jets going forward this season. You're going to see Gay stay there. I don't see him getting fired because I think, we've talked about this before off the podcast, but Joe Douglas is probably looking at it and Gase is giving the team the best shot to go 0-16. And right now, as a general manager, that's probably what you want. Because it's clear that they're really tanking this season. I mean, just releasing Le'Veon Bell for nothing just shows it right there when they could have at least waited to the trade deadline to see maybe what could happen. And right. and I also mentioned a scenario where, like, if the Jets are 0-13, 0-14, there's no team that's close to them, I could see Gates getting fired in, like, week 14, week 13. Because at that point, you know, the first-round pick is pretty much a lock. I mean, the first overall pick, rather. And you would hope. Once this game, once Gates is gone, this team is going to get a little spark, like, you know, they're relieved from this nonsense and hopefully play play a little better just because he's gone. Yeah, and I believe the Jets also, their last matchup of the year is against the Bills, too, who realistically I feel like will be in a playoff spot by then who might rest their players, so that could, you know, obviously give the Jets a better advantage to maybe somehow get a win this season. That's really the only best chance I'm giving them. They play Miami this week, and Miami and Ryan Fitzpatrick just destroyed the San Francisco 49ers, who the Niners put a beat down on the Jets. So pretty much there's no conclusion there. They're not getting to win this season. That That's how I look at it. But we do have to remember that in order to get this Jets talk going, we did talk about Le'Veon Bell getting released. So we will talk about where he is right now. And I'm sure he's a very, very, very happy man. Le'Veon Bell signed a one-year, $1 million deal with the Kansas City Chiefs and can earn up to $1.69 million with incentives. What a pairing. What a running back pairing that team has right now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie at LSU, and now Le'Veon Bell. You know, you go from being coached by Adam Gase to Andy Reid. I mean, that is something special. I saw a tweet actually saying that that comparison is like dating Rosie O'Donnell to Margot Robbie back-to-back. That's how much of an upgrade it is. And, I mean, you look at the situation, and it really is true. Le'Veon Bell is going to be you. I think this was the perfect landing spot for him. When you saw that there was three teams, you know, remaining that Le'Veon was picking, where it was either the Dolphins, Bills, or Chiefs. You had to know it was going to be the Chiefs. I mean, the Super Bowl reigning team probably are going to make it back, honestly, again. I mean, they have all the pieces to do it. It looks like the defense got better this year. What a what a great landing spot for him. And I, I'm really just rooting for Le'Veon Bell because as a Jets fan and seeing what happened, what Adam Gase did, I want him to succeed. Yeah, definitely no ill will towards Bell. Like, especially in the first year, it really made it seem like, you know, he wanted to be here, like, Obviously, not ideal situation with Gase, but he wanted to turn this thing around. He wanted to be here for the long haul. You know, he was he's been it was public on social media to get himself out of there. And when you saw us, he didn't never really push too hard. He just kind of, kind of met with Gase and Douglas on Monday, and he was released by Tuesday. It was 
not the most professional thing, but it was more professional than some acts we've seen in the past, like Jamal Adams. And Bell was pretty public about that, how this guy wanted me to come here so bad, and then he just jumped ship right away. So, yeah, it definitely seemed like he wanted to be here. I have no ill will uh, regarding Le'Veon. You know, I hope he does well. And you just think of the Chiefs. I mean, you now you kind of see Clyde edwards Slayer is more of a first and second, second down back. Obviously, he could play all three downs, but you look at his first game. He had like 20, 20 carries for 120 yards, and he didn't even catch a pass. That's probably more what you're going to see of him going forward and probably Le'Veon in the passing game when he gets more accustomed to it. And honestly, you'll probably see a lot of two running back sets. Yeah, definitely. And then also, when you look at Le'Veon Bell, and I, I'm a fantasy owner of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so I know this, that he's not really the best goal line back. He is small. Um, even though the Chiefs' offensive line is good, he has trouble getting into the end zone in you know these one or two yard attempts you know from the goal line. So I feel like Le'Veon Bell is really going to get a lot of those goal line carries. And again, like you said, you're going to see a lot of two running back sets. And I think Le'Veon will actually be used in the receiving game, maybe even line up as a wide receiver, unlike the Jets did. And then I think that was the clear cut issue is that everybody said is that you know this guy was a dual threat coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he could literally do it all. And then now, you know. Gates kind of ruined that for him, but I'm sure Andy Reid is going to unlock all of his traits again. I mean, you think about Patrick Mahomes, he must be the happiest guy ever. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, not only did he just sign a 10-year, $500 million contract, but now he has unlimited weapons. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs offense was scary to begin with. You got Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and Hilary. Who do you guard? You, you could throw Le'Veon Bell on the field with them, too, and Miko Hardman. There's just... You could, you could double-cover three guys, and you still got two elite playmakers out there for the most part. It's just a very difficult offense to stop. Yeah, and then, you know, you can focus on the top guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like you said, but then you also have the guys like McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, who maybe aren't the best wide receivers in terms of just consistent success, but they really do have that breaking ability that they can just, you know, really just run past somebody. They're all pretty fast. You know, it, it's just a way... This team, the Chiefs are just... You look, at, you look how Joe Douglas should be building this team for the future... Follow what the Chiefs did. It's nice to surround your young quarterback with talent. Yeah, something that the Jets failed on. And Going then, back to Mike McCann, it's not all Joe Douglas, but... You, you can build the defense later. Just build some weapons around him. Yeah, which is something that Jets management has lacked in the past. They've really always focused on defense, and it was... Uh, clearly said that was an issue there. But since we kind of, you know, I, I think we're pretty much good with Le'Veon. We're wishing him well. I hope he doesn't steal too many points away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I hope he, I hope he gets a Super Bowl ring. Chiefs, would you say the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl? Chiefs. I know the playoffs are always hard, you know, but mm. would you say? I feel like... Yeah, I would, I would go on a limb and say Chief Packers right now looking pretty good. Oh, really? If I had to pick a prediction right now, I'm going Chiefs, Seahawks. Nah, I can't have that happen. I Yeah, I can't either, especially for both of us being Jets fans. I mean, especially if they win, or not even if they win, they'll have pick 31 or 32. But we would obviously hate to see Jamal get a ring, just because it would be... Uh, that's why I also want to see Rodgers get another one. Yeah, Rodgers too. But then, then again, though, Russ is just killing it. I love Russ. Yeah, but... It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. We'll see what happens. That, that Pretty much we're clear on, you know, AFC. But we'll see what happens there in the NFC. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that as the playoff hunt gets a little closer. We haven't even hit the trade deadline yet, so the we're Seahawks, a little early on that one. But. Yeah, the Seahawks just almost lost to um, the Vikings, who have looked, to say the least... One step above the Jets. They have not looked very well at all. And they just they lost their running back in that game, so they had no offense. And barely just, you know, squeezed past them because the the, the, the Vikings couldn't convert a fourth in inches at their 
at the ten yard line. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, the Packers seemingly have not played a close game all year. They're just blowing past everybody. That offense is lethal, and the defense is coming together. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our next topic. Pretty much, we're going into week six right now. Not really in the middle of the season, but we're almost there. But I just pretty want to, you know, kind of talk about what have been your surprise teams or players by this point in the season? Who has really stood out to you, and it's like almost a shocker? So, I mean, obviously you looked at the Raiders under John Gruden last year or two, and they kind of showed some things. Derek Carr, are they going to keep him or not? But Derek Carr's really played well this year. He's got like, what, I think like 11 or 12 touchdowns to one interception. He just knocked off the Chiefs for the first time in his career. And he's playing really well this year. He's got some more. Well, he got rugs this year. He got Jacobs last year. He's got a Waller last year. He came out of nowhere. So, again, surrounding this guy with weapons. And he's playing really well right now. He's going back to the MVP form he was like four or five years ago in his first or second year. He's crazy how long he's been in the league already. Yeah. Think about it. We're old. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not sure what the exact stats are, but he's got like 11 touchdowns. Yeah, I, I got it right here right now. So, so far he's thrown for 1,095 yards. He has eight touchdowns, but zero interceptions. Yeah, with a quarterback rating of 113.6. So, clearly getting it done. And, yeah, Derek Carr has really been killing it. And, like you mentioned, he got his first win yeah. against... And Wait, then, actually... You know, Hold on. Chiefs, Chiefs' record isn't there. You know, I mean, the, the Raiders' record isn't all there right now. But uh, No, he might have... The Raiders are 3-2, and two, I think, but they're playing a lot better than their record. They've That's lost weird. a couple close games. All right, well, don't trust Google for your stats because I don't think they have the game against the Chiefs here, so he actually might have more stats. He might be closer with the... Uh, 3, 5, 7, 10. Yeah, Derek Carr got uh, okay. 11 touchdowns. He's got one pick on the Okay, game. there you go. Yeah, all right, that was weird. Yeah, he's the 12th highest fantasy scoring quarterback, if you're yeah. wondering. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's where I get my stats from. Smart, smart. Yeah, so yeah, Google stats only show the past four games, not the Chiefs game. So if you're listening, do not trust Google unless it'll give you false reports. But I really look at it. I think one of the surprising teams to me, one, I think you have to give a nice mention to the Buffalo Bills. I understand that everybody, you know, they were going into the season off a wild card loss to the Houston Texans. But... They really improved a lot. They they Sean McDermott could be a a pick for head coach of the year. I mean, this team just looks really good to me. I I think they have built a perfect offense around Josh Allen. And yes, you could still argue that his accuracy still needs to be fixed, but it definitely has been improved a little bit. Not tremendously, but enough to carry this team right now to a four and one start. Right. Yeah. And they just had about- that loss on Tuesday night to the Titans, but. Yeah, we've definitely talked about Josh Allen on the show before. He's he looks a lot better this year, and you know, giving him Stephon Diggs, he needed that true number one receiver to create separation. You know, obviously we've discussed he's not the most accurate quarterback, so a receiver who can get separation and win those contested balls is huge for a guy like Josh Allen. I really thought that Le'Veon was maybe going to choose the Bills. I understand that the Kansas City Chiefs are you know the Super Bowl reigning champions, like I mentioned, but. You look at their running backs they have, and I know they have a pairing of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but both of them really aren't haven't been too flashy this year. I mean, Zach Moss is a rookie as well, so you have to take that into accountability. But you look at Devin Singletary, and he's coming off a solid rookie year for you know sharing yeah. carries with Frank Gore last year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the teams that Jets are playing the next three weeks. You got the Bills, Dolphins, and the Chiefs, and <laughs> yeah, the Dolphins being, Dolphins being next week, and the Bills being in two weeks. Or who who are the Jets playing two weeks that he was choosing? 
It was someone. I think it's the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs... No, the Jets play the Chiefs in three weeks. Oh, okay. And so then, yeah. based on the new COVID guidelines, even though he was on an active roster a week ago, he has to go through a week of testing before he can be cleared to sign. And then he has to go through another couple of quarantine days before he can even practice. So yeah. he's not going to be able to play until the third game with his team. So, I mean, you, you just look at that. And I think he just wanted a revenge game against the Jets all along. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs was a great fit as well. But I think he just wanted to you know, stick it to Adam Gase and the yeah. Jets. But then also, I feel like just to bring up Josh Allen again with the Buffalo Bills is that, yeah, he's not playing as well as a lot of the, you know, a lot of other MVP candidates. And I'm not saying he's going to be there by the end of the season, but he still has a lot of, you know, when you're talking about MVPs, you have to bring him up a little bit. Maybe not to the, you know, I, I think Russ and Aaron Rodgers are the favorites right now, along with Mahomes and Allen there. So I wouldn't say Allen is one of the top favorites, but he's in the top five, I would say. And I think going into the season, did you really expect that from Josh Allen, the way he's playing? No, right. And right now you look at it, you, you see Mahomes, I mean, Rodgers and Wilson are leading the pack. And Mahomes is always going to be there because he's the name right now. He's the hot He's the hot shot at the quarterback position. Yeah. And you, look at, you look at a guy like Josh Allen, you know, like you mentioned, you don't expect him to be there. And I don't I don't realistically expect him to be there at the end of the year, regardless of how he plays. And yeah, you I look, agree. You look at a guy like Russell Wilson, who has played – to this level that he's playing this year, his whole career, and he just never got the votes. He's never had a single MVP yeah. vote. I yeah. look at the similar as Josh Allen. He, he's not a huge name. Obviously, a lot of people know him. But I just don't see him getting He doesn't have the league-wide respect yet that the guy, you know, the likeliness of Russ, uh, Rodgers, and uh, yeah. Mahomes have right now. I don't see him being in contention for that unless there's something spectacular out of him. But... Kind of a shocker that, you know, we're talking about MVP talk right now and that, you know, we're not even talking about the reigning MVP with Lamar Jackson. He really hasn't played, I mean, he's played well enough to get the Baltimore Ravens some wins, but definitely doesn't look as flashy as last year. Not, you know, after somebody has a year like he did, it's really hard to up it. You know, you have to be really just playing out of your mind to just continue. Yeah, and everybody, everybody said last year, I mean, similar to Michael Vick, the play style he had. He ran the ball like 15 times, 10, 15 times a game. That's not sustainable for a quarterback, yeah. and it's not something that is going to fool defenses for long. It was not sustainable. A lot of people mentioned that. They will be slowed down. You know, the Titans kind of gave the, the game plan to slow him down in the playoffs last year when they knocked him off. They, they He played awful, and you'll see a lot of teams take that into effect this year against him, and it's worked so far to containing him. Obviously, they're not beating him, but they're containing him. And you don't see the flashy plays, the MVP-type season that he had last year. Yeah, and I'm sure John Harbaugh is also smart enough to know that, yes, they're going to utilize his running ability, but if they want Lamar to maybe last a little longer than some other running quarterbacks in the league, you know, maybe you're going to want to try and avoid that as much as you can, just simply, you know, for his health and maybe just success going forward because you want to be able to keep him around for a while, I'm sure as Baltimore Ravens fans would all want that. But then another team I just want to bring out in terms of, you know, kind of shocking is I, I understand they were out, they were without Ben Roethlisberger last season. But I feel like the Steelers, you know, they just have a lot of playmakers on offense as well. You look at, obviously you're getting Big Ben back. We all know Juju is a big threat. You have Deontay Johnson who's been injured. He's probably been, honestly, one of the worst ones out of their receiving core right now, which is saying something. But then you also have James... What is it? James Johnson? James Washington. There you James go. Sorry. sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Claypool. And then I was just going to say, yes. And then you have Claypool, who has been killing it. Who just had a ridiculous game last last week. Four touchdowns. 
And how many yards was it? Like I'll, I'll look it up to get the exact stats. But you know, are are you shocked by the Steelers at all? Or you thought you know maybe? No, I mean you look at them last year. They played well with like six different quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Duck Hodges, Mason yeah. Rudolph. Yeah, I mean Thomas is a great coach. Obviously, they had a great offense. I mean, you look at the Steelers path for success I mean in the draft they do it the right way they've never spent that they always spend high picks on the defense they've always been a defensive team but under Big Ben they've always had great offenses as well and the key to their their success is their drafting you know they always take a defensive guy in the first round for the most part but they've been able to hit on these mid-round picks at wide receivers you go all the way back to Antonio Brown in the sixth round um yeah. Martavis Bryant before he was suspended. Manuel Sanders. Manuel Sanders. Now you have Chase Claypool and James Washington. All these playmakers that are not coming from the necessarily top picks. Yeah. Not the, not even the first round. And then, you know, you look at their four games that they've won so far because they are 4-0 in the season. They've played the Giants, Broncos, Texans, and Eagles, which, again, are not clearly not the best teams in the league right like now. two or three wins together. But... They have been scoring a lot of points with starting from week one all the way up to week four, 26, 26, 28, 38. They're very consistent with the amount of points they score. Their defense has given up points, though, 16, 21, 21, and 29. So that's something that probably, you know, Mike Tomlin will want to work on. But when I just look at Jace, Chase, excuse me, Chase Claypool, you look at last week, he obviously had the breakout game. Seven receptions, 110 yards. He had three touchdowns, and he had one rushing as well. And then... You look at it against Denver, he had three receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown, two receptions against the Giants for 39 yards, and then one reception for 24 yards You know, against the Texans. Again, Giants and Texans, clearly the weaker games there, but the fact that between his catches, he was still able to put up at least you know, averaging 15 yards per catch on each one is pretty special. I mean, he is a deep threat. He's going to be utilizing this offense really well, and I'm sure Juju is very excited for that. And then maybe, you know, who knows? He'll get his old USC quarter, quarterback throwing to him next year. Yeah, we know Juju loves his t- touchdown celebrations. Doesn't care who it is. Yeah, but I'm he, sure he, he would love a, to have his college he, quarterback back he, with he Sam is, Darnold. Juju is the epitome of a team player, and you love to see it. Yeah, exactly. He Ben Roethlisberger came out and said it in, you know, in, in an interview that Juju didn't care that he didn't, wasn't the guy that blew up. You know, he was happy for Chase Claypool, and most importantly, he was happy about getting the win. And that's something you want to see with... Especially young players, young receivers. Exactly. That's the type of players you want to build this round. Yeah. Build he your wasn't, team he wasn't too. He wasn't corrupted by Bell or Brown. You like to see that. Yeah, definitely. So, do you have any other surprising teams or players that you want to point out? Because I kind of got the Josh Allen and the Bills and then the Steelers. You kind of brought up Carr and the Raiders. Anybody else? or? I mean, you look at the Eagles and they have a revolving door of wide receivers. I forget the guy's name. It was... Uh, Travis Fulgham. Travis Fulgham. Yeah, that's him. He had a couple good weeks and... Uh, before that, it was like Greg Ward Jr. or something. Mm-hmm. They have a revolving door, so you want to see if you know maybe he could sustain his level of play. Breakout wide receiver out of nowhere, you know. Obviously, James Washington has been a big success for the Jaguars. Nobody knew who the Jaguars running back was going to be going. I think everybody was scrambling to get these different guys. One guy goes on the COVID list. One guy pulls a hamstring. Here comes James Washington, undrafted free agent. Yeah. You know, making splashes. It really goes back to the: Do you need to pay a running back? Do you need to draft one in the first round? Not necessarily. The Lions have a 35-year-old running back who they signed five days before the season, leading the team in rushing. Yep. Something to see, especially. I'm very happy with James Robinson and his play. I actually had a trade in the beginning of the season that let me have an open spot on my bench, and I got James Robinson out of it, and he's been killing it lately, like you mentioned. So, yeah, it goes to that thought where you look at teams, you know, you can get an undrafted guy, and he could be a star. 
It's just a matter of uh, how good your scouting unit is and how good your coaches are to be able to create that type of situation for a player like that. Well, and for a player like that, like a running back especially, uh, it all depends on the offensive line, you know. Anybody can run through an open hole. Obviously, there's not a lot of guys who can make, you know, one or two guys miss or three yards after contact type of running backs, but if you have a great offensive line, anybody can run behind it. You look at the Cowboys when they had they went from like uh, what's Demarco it? Murray, Demarco Murray to Darren McFadden to yeah. Fe- even Felix Jones at the beginning. Like they just had a massive offensive line that would create massive holes. A transition to Ezekiel Elliott to start his career. Anybody can run behind a line like that. That's why you know you got to set your guys up for success. And what's crazy too is that you look at the. Cowboys offensive line just to be on the topic of that right now obviously we know center Travis Frederick retired but then you look at their offensive line they're pretty beat up right now they're without Lael Collins for the season they're without uh, Tyron Smith but they still have a solid offensive line the depth they have at that offensive line position is ridiculous it starts with Connor Williams out of Texas pick from last year Tyler Biadas Biadas I don't know he's a guard as good as mine but yeah, I, I'm, I'm botching how you pronounce that name. If only I could get one of my old co-hosts from Oneonta here. who's was a huge Cowboys fan. He would be able to know. Chris Thomas, for that matter. You know, you can follow him on Twitter. Yeah, definitely interesting bringing up the Cowboys offensive line. And, you know, see how the Red Rifle will do with some weapons in an offensive line this time. He never really was supported too well in Cincinnati. Yep. Obviously, he had A.J. Green. They were a great connection. But now he's got three A.J. Greens, pretty much. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper is as good as you're going to get for a wide receiver corpse in the NFL. To pair with Ezekiel Elliott and a great offensive line, we'll see what he could do. Obviously, you're going to miss Dak. He's he's a franchise quarterback. No two ways about it. He plays great. We'll see how the Red Rifle steps in for him, though. Do you think Andy Dalton can hold down the fort for Dak Prescott until he's back next year? I definitely do. I mean, you look at the division. I mean, who's going to challenge that team in that division? The Wash. I mean, so excuse me, the football team, the Giants, and the Eagles. The Eagles have. I have no clue what they're doing with their, themselves. They always look lost at the beginning of the year. And then somehow always find themselves a game out of the, the division or a wild card. This year likely to be the division. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC. Not a lot of good teams in the NFC East. But the Eagles somehow always find themselves to be in it, even though they look awful for at least half the year. But the, the Giants and the, the Redskins or the football team, I don't see doing anything right now. And be- before we continue our talk about the Dallas Cowboys, I just want to apologize for my ceiling fan right now that is making a little bit of a ringing noise that you may be able to hear. So I'm going to ask Alex, do you mind if you could just get up and turn off the switch over there so it can stop making that noise? It's over here. Also, we're a podcast. We're doing this from my home. So we have this flexibility that, you know, this stuff will happen and occur. You're good. Perfect. No more ringing noise. I'm sorry if that was going on for a while. I just noticed it in my headset as we were speaking. But I want to bring up just the Cowboys again, and I want to say this. The Dallas Cowboys, when you look at it, we know their offense is fully loaded, like you were talking about. You look at the defensive side of the ball, it's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. You know, there's so many teams that are just killing it against them. I mean, you allowed the New York Giants to score 34 points on the New York Jets. I mean, what do you expect, New York Jets, Dallas Cowboys? What what am I saying? I'm all over the place today. Either way, the thing is, is that Dak Prescott, as we know, like you said, is a franchise quarterback, and he can really throw the ball. He was leading the NFL in passing yards by at least 300 yards. I he was think having it was. the best season of his career. Yeah. So it's obviously unfortunate to see that he just snapped his ankle. But the thing is, well, is he that... Has to, he has to learn from that. 
Yeah, he has to learn to slide. He tried to stiff arm, and then, you know, a freak accident happened. Obviously, it's something you kind of can't con control, but if you slide, that whole situation is avoided right there instead of trying to stiff arm and get that first down. I like the effort, yeah, but as a head coach, you never, don't like yeah. it. He's never been a quarterback to slide or take anything like that. I mean, to his credit, he's never missed a game, obviously, a freak incident. Freak, yeah. Like, but he's got to learn to get out of bounds and slide. He's, he's, he's the emotional leader. He's physical as a quarterback. He's a big boy. Yeah. I was just going to say he has, you know, he's big, he's buff. He can run through somebody if he lowers his head. He definitely can. But the thing is, is that Mike be. McCarthy definitely doesn't want to see that happening. And I'm sure Jason Garrett last year and years past did not want to see that happening as well. But now I'm just wondering if Andy Dalton would be able to keep up with the opposing team's offense. Cause you know, again, the Cowboys defense really has trouble stopping a lot of teams. So I'm just wondering if Andy Dalton is going to have that firepower, no pun intended right there, in order to keep that up. I mean, we showed, you've seen it in the past. He was a good quarterback with Cincinnati. He took them to a lot of wild cards but couldn't get past that. So let's see what happens yeah, there. Yeah, he has some good regular seasons, though. He was probably sure. probably the best backup quarterback in the league by far because now he's obviously he was a starter throughout his whole career. And we'll see what happens going forward there with Dallas. So since... I will say today's show is really not fully loaded. There really hasn't been much topics to talk about, especially that there wasn't any Thursday night game due to COVID and having to push back some games. We have another week where there's two Monday night games because we have the Chiefs-Bills at 5 o'clock, which is going to be an epic showdown. And then I believe the other Monday night game is, again, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals. So we got a nice matchup of Kyler Murray against Andy Dalton. So we'll see what happens there. Three-time pro, pro bowler. Just looking it up now. He's had, had some great years. Yeah. And then also, uh, just to bring up some a little bit of breaking news, I mean, it's just re really regarding COVID. The Ravens are placing starting nose tackle Brendan Williams, who obviously has been a big piece on that defensive line, on the reserve slash COVID list. That is the fifth NFL team to add a player to the reserve COVID-19 list since yesterday. And that means he either has COVID or has been in contact with somebody with COVID. So he has to be placed on the list. And then he'll have to get a, a couple of tests beforehand. So we'll see what happens there. Oops, as my phone falls. But then also I just really quickly want to bring up before we get to the head coaching firings that have happened in the past two weeks, I just want to highlight because we're Jeff fans and we know this could be a reality. Trevor Lawrence has five first half touchdowns. He, he has thrown for 391 yards and five touchdowns in the first half. I understand. 391 yards? That's a, I haven't seen that in a quarterback since Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> but... I understand he's versing Georgia Tech, but it's still something that's pretty remarkable. So just something to bring up there because we will be highlighting that throughout the season. As we will sometimes talk about college football, I really like to just focus on the NFL. But when it's important, we will bring it up. Yeah, like Coach Saban testing positive for the Rona, and then he had three negative tests in a row. So he is able to coach tonight. Yeah, weird. It's weird how that happens. But nobody knows what's going on with the COVID. Just so tired of talking about it. There's so many inconsistencies. Nobody knows anything for sure. It's very frustrating, but... It's the world we live in now, so we got to have to and adapt. It's clear to say it's been one of the biggest challenges for the NFL. I mean, you have somebody testing positive almost every week, especially I mean, yeah. some big guys, too. You know, it's not just these, you know, bench yeah, I mean, or practice yeah. squad players. Yeah, it's talking some... about big guys. You look at Brandon Williams. He's a 300-pounder for sure. Yeah, and you just think about, too, how, you know, getting COVID for a guy like that at his size, I understand he is, you know, an athlete. He probably, you know, He's probably still good health-wise, health but he is very big, and that could even affect him that way. Yeah, You know, definitely. You think about, you know, maybe you look at some of these players opting out in the beginning of the season, and I think they definitely made a good choice right now. 
I'm sure CJ Mosley is happy sitting home, not being on an 0-5 tragic Jets team, but he's also I mean, staying yeah, healthy yeah, for himself exactly. and family. You have to think about CJ Mosley. You probably met with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, he's probably like, Joe, what are we doing this year? Joe's like, yeah, we're going to tank this year. CJ's like, all right, I'll sit up. Yeah, and then, you know, he's, he's still here for another uh, four years. Four years. Didn't pay him a dime. So, we'll see about that. And everything going forward there with COVID, and hopefully again, every time we're gonna have, every time we're gonna have an episode, I'm always gonna say this every week. I hope we get some clarity on COVID. I hope that going forward, it can get, you know, not as bad every week, day by day, second by second, and we'll see what happens there. And I know everybody in the world right now is wishing for that as well. But like I mentioned before, we are gonna get to some head coaching firings, and of course, one of them is an Adam Gase. Still pain, 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 pain. But We'll start off with the most recent one, that is the Atlanta Falcons firing Dan Quinn. And when I look at Dan Quinn, obviously we know he can't hold the lead. We all know that the Falcons choke every single game. But you look at Dan Quinn, and this is a guy that took the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl one year. And again, we all know it started all great, 28-3, and then had the tra- tragic breakdown, ended up losing that Super Bowl to the Patriots in overtime. But this is a guy, again, who took their team to a Super Bowl and is still managing to get fired before Adam Gase. Dan Quinn is the type of guy who really almost was a landing spot. You know, the Jets almost got him instead of Bowles. Yep, but they didn't want to wait. They didn't want to wait. So they just hired Bowles. And who knows if that was the better move or not. Probably not because, again, Dan Quinn brought him to a Super Bowl. But even still, all the fallout after that was pretty bad. I would have taken a 28-3 Super Bowl loss. At least it's something. Yeah, I guess. But that that I <laughs> I don't know though. I you think about how much hate Fal- the Falcons and just fans have to deal with every day because hey, of that. I mean, hey, any any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I guess. But the Jets have a lot of bad publicity. But I yeah, guess in exactly. that case, so it's you good. Guys will get used to some good for a little bit. Yeah. For three quarters. But uh, I I look at this team right now, and you look at the weapons that Atlanta Fal- the Atlanta Falcons have. I mean, how how do they manage to be, what is it, 1-4 now? I think they got a win last week, was it? I don't know. I think that they got to be 0-5 or 1-4. It, it, it's got to be in that direction. Hopefully 1-4, because that's our Sharp Lawrence pick. They are, nope, 0-5. And they're, oh, what a great matchup you have tomorrow. 0-5 Falcons taking on the 1-4 Minnesota Vikings. But... I mean, you look at it, you have, you're starting off with Matt Ryan, who maybe can be making his way out. A lot of people are believing that if, I mean, the Falcons are probably going to get a top pick in this draft, where they're thinking that you know the new head coach might want a quarterback of his own, and maybe either they'll get Trevor Lawrence if they are set up that way, or you have, um, uh, what is it, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, who just opted out of the season. He's one of the top guys. And then you have um, Ohio State quarterback. Justin Fields. Justin Fields as well. So, you know, people are kind of putting that into a factor. But then you also have you have Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, uh, Russell Gage, who's kind of, you know, had a breakout this season. You have at the running back position, Todd Gurley and Brian Hill now. And then at tight end, you have Hayden Hurst. I mean, you have a decent amount of weapons. You have a solid old line. You have Matt Ryan as your quarterback. And they're still finding a way to start off the season 0-5. And I'm, the Atlanta Falcons and the owner and the organization were just sick of it. They got rid of not only Dan Quinn, but also the general manager as well, and they're really looking for a new direction for things at Atlanta. What did you think about the you know the firing with Dan Quinn? Uh, it makes sense. It's nice, it's nice to see uh, organiz- I think it was a little late, but better late than never. Obviously, he should have been fired, I think, at the end of last year. Got to get a new fresh start. Um, 
the defense was his thing in Seattle, and it's easy to be a defensive-minded coach when you have Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, uh, Richard, Richard Sherman, and Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, all these guys. Cliff, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett. Back in the day, they had a stack Unreal. <laughs> but it's so easy to be a good defensive coach. And it's not so easy. I mean, the good defensive coaches make their players better, not, you know, strive off of their good players. And you look at what he's been in the Falcons. Obviously, Matt Ryan and that offense has been great for years, you know, before Dan Quinn even got there. And the defense has just been nothing spectacular. It obviously blew the 28-3 lead and has been playing subpar defense for as long as he's been there. I didn't think his time is up. I think his time was up at the end of last season, but they wanted to give him a, another chance. Clearly has not worked out. The defense blowing two or three leads already in five games. And he's out the door. It's how a, a franchise should be run. Yep. And I thought it was a good move. I mean, this is a guy that... Like you said, this was supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach, and his defense kind of fell apart. Even though he's always had that, you know, that rocking stacked offense in Atlanta. So we'll see what happens going forward for the Atlanta Falcons. I know their interim head coach is uh, was the offensive coordinator. Now it's uh, Coder Dirk Coder, from who used to be the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's rocking as the interim head coach right now. And I'm sure he's not going to last. I'm sure they're going to get their own head coach and new general manager. They'll pair them together and get a nice thing going over there. But it looks like it might slowly kind of be a rebuild for this team. I mean, you still have a lot of pieces to build around, though, on that offensive side. So you wonder what they're going to do there. People are even questioning maybe a movement of Julio. You never know. I know a team with a young quarterback that could possibly take Julio. Yeah, especially if... Well, here's the thing, though. I don't think the young quarterback that team currently has is going to be the starting quarterback next year. So... If you do draft a quarterback number one overall, like people are expecting, like a guy like Trevor Lawrence making well, I mean, a trade I, for Julio Jones. If I wanted to say Sam Darnold, I would have said Sam Darnold. I said young quarterback. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Sam is still young, though. Yeah, he's but a young one. Now he's just a wasted guy. Poor Sam. I hope wherever he goes next, I really hope he is utilized well and kills it. It's another Le'Veon Bell situation. We always had love for Sam. Yeah, I like Sam. Everyone forgets, and we love to bring this up. You know, again, we've talked about this off the podcast as well. Everyone forgets that all this Trevor Lawrence hype was very similar to the hype that Sam Darnold had. And everyone seems to forget that. They really do. I think they just are really, you know, Trevor Lawrence also just has the franchise look. You know, you look at the guy and he looks like none other. I mean, he has the long hair, you know. And I feel like all all people just, you know, Barstool is going to blow him up because of just, the way he looks, and then everyone is like, "Oh, this guy, everything." Yeah, just the media. The media he, loves to blow things he just up. Plays we know that. Boys. I mean, you don't see the obviously Darnold. He had all the hype, but even coming out of college, he had all these fumbles and turnovers and bad decisions, and that's kind of what's played him in the NFL. You know, his one issue in college has gone through to the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, you don't really see that much. And to be fair too, Trevor Lawrence, you saw in his rookie year here. You know, he won the national title. Sam never won a national title. He. You know, maybe one, what, the Rose Bowl against Penn State. That was probably one of his most impressive games, you know, to be able to come back from the deficit they were down. But, you know, it's nothing compared to coming in, you know, as a redshirt freshman and take your team to the national championship and win it against Alabama. So we'll see what happens there. Trevor Lawrence, it's looking like it's going to be a New York Jet, but we'll see. We'll see if the Jets somehow get some win. Let's not jinx anything here. Uh, Well, you never know. Still got the Giants on our tail. Yeah, but the Giants have Giants are clearly the better 0-5 team. 
And they've really been some games. They had Yeah, they also played the Redskins and the Eagles twice, so hopefully they can get a win. Yeah, and, and the past two games, I mean, they almost beat the Cowboys. I understand Dak Prescott did get hurt in that game, but it was only a three-point game. The Giants managed to score 34 points, and then they also almost beat the Rams. They had some chances but couldn't close out. Mm. So I feel like they could definitely get two or three wins before the season finishes. But then lastly, just to end off the show, I understand it was a little bit ago, but I still want to bring it up. Bill O'Brien was finally re- fired from being a not bad head coach, but awful general manager. I mean, obviously, he wasn't the greatest head coach. I'm not saying that. But he did have some playoff runs. But then, obviously, he made some costly decisions with some trades. Yeah, he's, and then he's, clearly, he's crippled that franchise for a little bit now. Yeah, and clearly and he just had some... feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Yep, and then, you know, some bad chemistry in the locker room as well because, you know, you have leader on that team on the defensive side, J.J. Watson. It was reported... That after he got, like, fired, you know, a couple days before he got fired, there was, like, a big argument or something happened. So, clearly, he lost the locker room. That's something you never want to see as a head coach. That means you're going to... And you look at, uh, yeah, you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, and that's what you look for in a quarterback. He's got the star power. They're always going to be competitive. They're going to win some games. Unfortunately, he decided to trade away all his playmakers and picks for them to build any sustainable success throughout the next couple of years, which is very unfortunate to waste the prime of Deshaun Watson's career with a mediocre team, which he probably is not going to get through Kansas City, not even not not going to get through the not even Baltimore, maybe not even the Titans either in the same division. Yeah, so it's just unfortunate. I mean, yeah, obviously they started off zero and three. They're one and four now, I think one and three, one and four. Yeah, they started zero and four, and then they uh, yeah. just beat the. Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, after Bill O'Brien was fired. They won a game. Look at that. See how it works? This is why you don't fire Adam Gase, because we need to lose. Yeah. <laughs> but you look at this team as a whole, and I mean, you pretty much you know hit every point that this guy made some costly trades for their future. They are now 1-4 in the season, and they don't have a first or second round pick. Their first draft pick comes in the third round, which is pretty awful, especially that you look at the state of the team. And that they clearly have to look for the future and try to build around Watson, and they really just don't have the assets to do that. I mean, they can't even pair other picks to make a trade. I mean, it, that would, it's going to be an interesting landing spot for whoever the next head coach and general manager is for this team, because I think that's going to be—they're going to have a little trouble trying to find somebody. What kind of general manager wants to come into this team and you know not having any picks to kind of work around? I understand they don't even have that much cap space either. I feel like a type of head coach, though, that could be fitting well with this team is a guy in Kansas City, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who a lot of Jet fans have been wanting. I personally don't know if it would be the best fit for the Jets, but I think it would be a good... I think he could be a good guy to maybe turn around Deshaun Watson's career. Mm-hmm. And just speaking of Deshaun Watson as well, you know he's the franchise guy, you brought that up, and he has his star power. Where did he play beforehand? Clemson. Look at that. <laughs> star power just builds there. I mean, at every single position. Clemson always has guys coming into the draft. Always a lot of first-round guys. They're like LSU and Alabama. Always the top. Ohio State as well. But, yeah. I mean, I, I feel for the Texans fans. At least, you know, Jets are own 5 Clearly the worst team in football. But they have a ton of picks to work with in the future where the Texans do not have that flexibility at all. So it's really unfortunate to see. But that kind of does it for us on this episode of Diving Into the End Zone. I want to ask, Alex, do you have any last thoughts or inputs that you want to bring up? Anything you want to say at all before uh, we go? Last touch on, you know, the surprising teams, players, whatnot. And you look at the Bears at 4-1. and one. Definitely didn't 
I don't think anyone saw them there. The yeah, we deep, kind of forgot about the Bears. Because the, they've been so quiet, almost. They've been so quiet because the defense is not what it used to be when they first had back. It's not the dominant defense under Vic Fangio. And they have Foles now, but Foles has not really played well. They're winning, but they, they're they probably the worst 4-1 team I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, they have good they have talent, obviously. They just have not looked great. But, you know, good teams find a way to win when they're struggling. And if they could turn it around in the second half, you know, they're a good team with a good record. Because you look at the 49ers, they've obviously had their injuries. They're now 2-3. and three, Yeah. And they're falling behind in the NFC. Yeah. So, if you can win games while you're playing bad or your team is hurt, that makes a great team. So, hopefully, I, mean, hopefully I care less how the NFC works out. But, you know, for the Bears' sake, that they keep that, that streak going. Yeah, and then you look at Allen Robinson, too, and I feel like if you... What? This guy and Allen Robinson. I was just going to say... That clearly he's not going to be getting traded anytime soon because there's a lot of a lot of success going there right now. You're not going to get rid of Foles' number one target, is what I'm saying. But if it was different, you swap that record around, you can maybe see him getting traded. That's all I was going to say. I understand. I'm big on Allen Robinson. I wish he could have been a Jet or whatever, maybe in the off season. You know who's a guy I'm kind of looking at for maybe acquiring next off season if you're the New York Jets? Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. No, Julio, fine, but maybe even Kenny Galladay. They haven't. There's been no talks about a contract extension. And he said, you know what, he's fine with it. He's not worried about it. But you never know what can happen in the offseason, even if he gets tagged and traded. Right. You never know. We have picks. That would be nice. I like Kenny Galladay. He's on my fantasy team. He's always consistent. He's not flashy. He's not a guy that is always going to be all over You know the highlights. But he puts in his work. He gets his catches. He gets his touchdowns. He gets his yards. Mm-hmm. That's all you can ask for at a wide receiver. And he's a number one. Something the Jets haven't had in a while. But that is another time. I can't wait until the offseason. If you're a Jets fan and you're listening to the show, you know how the offseason is the most excited, exciting part of a football season for the New York Jets. Because the regular season sucks. Because they suck. And you always look forward to the free agent signings and the new draft that it just eventually are not going to turn out to be well. Mm-hmm. It's just a constant cycle there. But again, that's going to do it for this episode of Diving Into the End Zone. I'm Dominic Garbolino. He's Alex Warner. Hope you enjoyed the show. Still working on getting a, you know, a social media account up. Alex actually suggested you know making a Twitter, and I like that idea a lot better than a Instagram. So I think I'm going to get that going by next week. So if you want to follow that, I'm, you know, I'll have the at next week as well. And I think I'm also going to be making an email so that if anybody's listening, obviously since this is a podcast, we can't take any callers or anything. But if you can email any questions or any you know thoughts to us at all, could do something like that as well. So anyways, I hope everybody has a good day. I know I'm going to have a good day. I actually have to go into work a little earlier than expected because my boss texted me 4.30, please, instead of 5. So I'm going to have to make that work. But, hey, it's the world we live in. we got to make some money in a pandemic, right? Right. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed listening to the show, and everybody have a good day.